show, everyone. My name is Emily, and I am a civilized vampire living in a magnificent palace. And I'm Paige. I'm a 1600s British vampire living in the sewers. And you are listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's it going today, Paige? What's new? What's cracking? Um, nothing too much cracking. I do. I did crack open this lime white claw, and I'm ready to argue with the fans. Lime's the best flavor. I don't want to hear it from anyone. I don't want to hear any contrasting opinion. <laughs> um, can neither confirm or deny that because I hate all white claw because they taste like carbonated feet to me, and I also, I stand by that. I just can't. I, it's the only liquor that I feel like is super diabetic and celiac friendly. I take that back. All liquor is not diabetic friendly. You should not drink liquor if you're diabetic, but here we are. (laughs) But, you know, when 2020 is hitting you the way that it is, what, what do they expect? (sighs) What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I saw this magnificent tweet once that was like, why is everyone so obsessed with White Claw? It was like, I wrote it, like I ghost wrote it, but I didn't. It was like, why Why is everyone so obsessed with White Claw? Yeah, it's low calorie and gets you drunk, but so does taking tequila shots like an adult. <laughs> you know, it's a very good point. The thing is, is that I can, I know that you think it tastes like feet, but to me, it's definitely... I don't want to say tasty. It's not like I'm craving the taste of a White Claw, but it's like I can hold the flavor in my mouth without feeling like I need to throw everything up that's inside of my stomach. That's fair. That's fair. Here's the thing. I don't know how to take a shot for that to work. I never learned the throat skill. I don't know how people do it. I have to like, sometimes I have to take two sips of a shot before I can do it. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. It's a valuable skill. (laughs) I feel like I do remember maybe a New Year's party where you tried to teach me, and I don't think it went well. Oh, that's coming back to me now. Yeah. I wonder why it didn't work well. I probably was a bad teacher. (laughs) I think that maybe it was because we're both already somewhat under the influence of alcohol, so maybe you weren't a good teacher, but guess what? I also wasn't a good learner. (laughs) And that's that. There's still time. Also, I don't know if you can hear them, but my cats are having a brawl. You know that thing where cats are like, <laughs> that's what I doing. am very aware of the sound. <laughs> it is a constant sound in our home. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Tina does make that sound a lot from what I've observed. All right. Well, <laughs> so this week, what the heck did we read this week? We are back to two chapters this week. Yeah. So the Collins and Carlisle. Yeah, good memory. Um, Chapters 15 and 16. So what did you think of these chapters? I actually really enjoyed these chapters, aside from the weirdness that is the beginning of the Cullens with Bella and Edward, and also him. I'm just going to bypass all of their antics. And just say getting to see the Cullens home and meet them and like really experience them as characters talking and being themselves versus people being described from an outside point of view. I really liked all of them. I, I didn't really feel negative about any of them. So it was just, it was really nice and hearing the backstories were really nice and I thought they were all very likable. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been excited to get to this part. I don't know. I just, I'm a sucker for, like, world building. Like, I hate when books are 
can you stop? Sorry. I, I hate when books are just like really narrow. You know, I love when like the world gets expanded. Mm-hmm. That's why I love a good book to mini series because then we can really dive in. But that's off subject. But yeah, I've just been excited for us to reach this part. So I'm glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. I feel like one thing that I've I really loved in book series and I feel like Stephanie probably excels at is uh, world building, but also character building like rich backstories explaining why people are the way that they are having characters not just be who they are now but also have a past I live for that shit I one of my favorite book series of all times Redwall don't know if you ever read it don't know if any of our listeners ever read it it's more of a younger book series but those books have like each book there's like maybe 20 in the series you can read them completely out of order each book is its own story by itself but in each in each of those books there's like 50 characters and they all have their own personality and I am obsessed with that I love rich characters I love everyone being their own person so that's what I was really enjoying about this set of chapters yeah yeah definitely that sounds really cool I feel like you love a good family tree at the beginning of a book. Mm -hmm. That's why I love, um, that was going to be really, a really good joke, but I don't know the Bible verse. You know that one that they always read at Christmas time where it's like, father of Isaac. Yeah. And it's just like, it's literally just a bunch of fucking names. Live for it. Love that. I'm sitting on the edge of my pew every year at church. Yes. (laughs) Malcolm is now sitting at the bottom of the stairs screaming. So that's where we're at as a household. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can hear him distantly. I can't hear him, but let him know to speak up a little bit. (laughs) Or not. Oh, I just heard him. So obnoxious! It's literally, they were quiet up until the point when I started the recording. This is garbage. Emily literally had Malcolm at the camera so I could see him eye to eye and he said nothing. (laughs) Now he wants to speak up. Okay, so let me get to the right page because I'm not a professional podcaster and I didn't have it open to the right page correct at the beginning. Okay. So the colons, chapter 15, starts off with Bella waking up and she is like, thinking that all of yesterday in the meadow with Edward was a dream. And then she sits up and she realizes that it wasn't. And she's super pumped, obviously runs over and like jumps on him or whatever. The fact that he says, or she says, I'm sure I was sure it was a dream. And he says, you're not that creative. I'm like, we already talked about this, I think last week or maybe the week before, but I'm like, you don't know what my dreams are about. They're extremely bizarro. I had a dream one time that I dated a, um, like a a mermaid type creature who was a ghost but get this it wasn't the mermaid you're thinking of it was opposite so the head was a fish and the bottom was legs and it was also dead and a ghost and I was dating him so who's not creative now Edward wasn't that an Oscar winning film called The Shape of Water (laughs) well this dream was in 2014 so Guillermo del Toro I don't know what his name is is that it Guillermo del Toro Mm -hmm. Suck it. He owes you money. I, I deserve some royalties, okay? 
Also, if you've never seen that movie, I recommend not watching it. It was. I've heard recommendations from it or like about it. Maybe it's just not my cup of tea, but I saw it in theaters and it was, I was so uncomfortable. I didn't like it. People were getting up and leaving and not coming back. Like, I, I will say that I think that the people who recommended it to me might be pro monster fucking. So that might be kind of a biased opinion on their part. Yeah, that makes sense. You know who would really enjoy that movie and empathize with it? Bella Swan. <laughs> I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Because <laughs> you've literally referred to her as resident monster fucker from a, a Tumblr post. So I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. Yep, yep. <sighs> so speaking of the devil, just kidding, that's Edward. <laughs> um, was this part confusing to me? Oh, wait, no. Yeah, no, was this part confusing to you? Because I didn't understand this until I read Midnight Sun, and I've read this book lots of times. When Edward is like, he's talking about Charlie, and he says, he left an hour ago after reattaching your battery cables, I might add. I have to admit I was disappointed. Is that really all it would take to stop you if you were determined to go? And Bella doesn't, like, address it. They just move on. So I was always like, what did, what did that mean? It, it. I had to reread it a second time, but... After that time, I picked up what was going on, and I actually, I actually did make a note of it. I was like, "Do dads do this? Like, do people, do parents do this?" I, I mean, I guess my parents trusted me, but also what I was wondering, because clearly he unattaches the battery to stop her from driving away. What I want to know is, one, does Charlie? Really? I mean, sure, she was acting a little bit suspicious the night before, but of the entire, I mean, I don't know how long that she's been in Forks at this point. I'm going to say a couple months, maybe. Um, This whole time, has she really done enough to make him suspicious that she would do that? I feel like she's been very low-key the whole time. So yeah, she's weird one night, but like, collectively, is that enough to make you unattach her car battery like really and two why isn't Bella like more upset about it I feel like if that happened to me and I was a trustworthy child dating a supernatural creature mind you um and my dad does that like come on dad I have don't we have a little bit of trust here I don't know I would be upset as Bella and also I just don't understand Charlie's worry because it doesn't seem like it's warranted at this point yeah, 100% agree. I think I think that's part of the reason I didn't understand this until now, or, like, recently, what was happening in this scene, because, like, she doesn't care. So mm-hmm. I think that's why I, like... Also, I don't speak car. And also, I'm kind of a dumb bitch. Yes, we exist. So I just, like, didn't understand this. I was like, was her car broken? And he fixed it? Because he did that thing where he put on the snow tire. Yeah. I'm, no one cares because I'm trying to justify just me being dumb. But I agree with you that it's like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, sometimes I feel like Charlie is, like, almost parenting out of, like, a parenting handbook, you know, mm-hmm. because he hasn't had to parent up until this point at all ever in his entire life. Well, maybe, like, when Bella was really young before they got separated. But I don't know. Like, it's weird. Maybe he just was like, this is what dads do when they are suspicious, you know? Yeah. And 
I have to agree when I read it the first time, I did think that it was a good thing because he did do that thing with her chains. So I was like, oh, it's car related, you know, like it's good. But then reattaching, I don't know, just the way that it just was worded kind of weird. And I was like, wait, am I understanding this correctly? And I had to read it again. Um, But like, maybe it's because like, he's a police officer, sheriff guy. And like, he's just a little more in tune to things like that. But like I said, I would say even if even if you did think that things were suspicious, you checked on her, she was asleep, quote unquote. And this whole time, I really don't think she's done anything to warrant such suspicion. So it just it strikes me as very odd. Yeah, same. And I want to say I'm not like saying it's okay that Charlie is like, quote unquote, like parenting out of a handbook, like it's still sketchy and also not fair because Bella doesn't deserve that. I feel like she's earned more trust than that. I just was like trying to kind of get into his mindset. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So Bella goes and brushes her teeth and she comes back and she shook that Edward left. Um, And then he mentions that in her sleep, she said that he, she loved him and Bella says it again, and he says, you are my life now. This is that same vague shit that I was talking about last week. Like, I know we talked about it's because, like, society conditions men to not be vulnerable, but I'm like, you couldn't just say it back, you fucking clown. He couldn't say it back, and what he did choose to say, I feel like is the, I mean, it's not the wrong thing, because Bella loved it. She loved that response. I hated it all, personally. if I'm if I'm speaking objectively, one, sis, you've been dating quote unquote him for I don't know one day at this point. They went to the forest the day before, right? Yeah, I guess they've been like to use the phrase the kids are using, like talking for probably what like a couple weeks max. Okay, but here's the other thing. Here's the <laughs> other thing. They've been talking since the. Not really the first day of school, but like from the beginning when Bella was there, and I would say 85% of it has been negative to me. I mean, to me, I'm not Bella, but the amount of time they've been talking compared to the amount of time they've been talking where it's been positive, I feel like has it's a significant difference because there was that whole bit in the beginning where she was like, it's been a month of me not saying anything to him. Like the fact that she says, I love you this soon. I don't like it. I mean, I'm not a fan, but then that he comes around and says, you are my entire life. First of all, no one should ever be your entire life. You should have other things that are important to you. Yourself should be important to you. But also don't say that to someone that you've been talking with for like maybe three weeks. Maybe it's probably less, honestly. <laughs> I really have nothing to add because you covered it all. <laughs> that was the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. That was page verse four, chapter 20. <laughs> you know what, though? It is so teenager of them. It is. You're right. It is realistic for being a teenager. I do remember saying I love you to my middle school boyfriend, who we know who they are. I'm, we don't need to name names. But I said I love you to him the day that we started dating. But we were also in fifth grade, so it's fine. 
11 versus 17. Different. But still, yeah, you're not emotionally mature at that point. Yeah. <sighs> Agreed. I, like, I seriously have nothing to add. I know that's not helpful. <laughs> so then they go downstairs and so Bella can eat breakfast and um, she goes, what's for breakfast? And he says, uh, I'm not sure. What would you like? And I... I wrote that we should discuss what's he cooking if he's forced to cook it. I saw this tweet once, or it was recently, that was like, I ordered a burrito with cheese and this is what I got. And it was a picture and it was like a burrito and then a piece of sliced cheese on top of it. <laughs> and that's what I was picturing Edward cooking. What do you think he's cooking? I'm picturing cereal bowl with one egg just sitting in the bowl. Like not cracked, it's just the egg and a spoon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my god. Or like um what is that thing in SpongeBob? Holographic meatloaf? I don't know why I thought of that, but the first thing that I thought of when you said that thing in SpongeBob was the nasty Sunday that he makes himself with like ketchup and onions. Oh my god, yeah, that was so disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you would. I mean, if you don't have any taste, like you don't know what flavor is. And also, I'm sure that no one in his family, including himself, has cooked in, like, 200 years. <laughs> yeah. Give I mean, take. he's only cooked, hasn't cooked probably in 100 or so years. But Carlisle, I mean, not to spoil anything, but, like, 400 years. It's been no. a bit. Yeah, 400. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So then, Bella gets a box of cereal. <laughs> Very fancy. Um, I hate cereal, so maybe I'm just being a hater. It's just soggy. I just, it's soggy. Daddy, you don't even like Fruit Loops? No, it's all soggy. Damn. I'm a hot breakfast girl, unless I'm having, like, yogurt. It's pretty much all hot breakfast, so. I, as, I can't even eat cereal, so I, I would 100% choose a hot breakfast any fucking day. Um, savory over sweet. That's my personal opinion. I'm pro eggs, pro bacon, pro sausage. I mean, I'm pro pancakes and waffles. Don't get me wrong. But if, again, it's kind of the same with, same thing with cereal. I can't really eat pancakes and waffles. So I've just come to absolutely love savory breakfast. So I'm, I did like cereal back in the day, but I can, I don't really care anymore, to be quite honest. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I would love is if people from other countries would write in and tell us, like, what's a normal breakfast for them? Because I always hear, like, about how American breakfasts are so fucked up and there's, like, so many calories and, like, we eat dessert for breakfast. And, like, when I was in England, I went to the UK for, like, two weeks a couple years ago. And, like, I mean, everybody knows what an English breakfast is pretty much, I'm sure. But it's not that different from ours, but it's different enough that it was weird. Like, I mean, they beans. Yeah, beans, and then they eat whole sausage links, like, on their breakfast sandwiches, like, not patties, <laughs> which is interesting. I I know, apparently, I heard this from friend of the pod, Tommy, but apparently pho is breakfast in Vietnam. That's amazing. I want to move there. I don't know if that's true. I'm just relaying information I heard from someone else, but yeah. I, I love that. I would love to eat pho for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And just so you know, UK people, I'm not making fun of you. I thought it was delicious. It was just, like, it's so common in, in 
the United States to have a sausage patty. I've never seen a sausage link on a sandwich before. So I'm not making fun of you. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Anyways, if anyone is uh, willing to share, we love to talk about food, as we've made very clear. So we'd love to hear about it. Um, anyway, so at this point is when Edward is like, what would you say to meeting my family? And Bella's afraid because she, not because they're vampires, but because she's afraid that they won't like her, which he acts like is a whole weird thing, but I, I feel like that's relatable. I, that's something that really hits home for me. That is anxiety inducing. I'm someone who overthinks everything and is really in my head. I, and I value family. I value my own family so much. And especially for the people that I love and that I want to be romantically involved with. And I know that their family is important to them. Like I want to love their family as much as I love my family. And it just causes me so much stress hearing about couples where like one of them is always fighting with the other's mom or with the other's dad. I'm just like, that just seems so stressful to me. So I can fully see where Bella's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And also at this point, it's like, we've been over the vampire thing. Like she's over it. Clearly she's over it. So stop reacting. Like he does this later too, where he's like, I keep waiting for you to run and scream. And it's like, she would have done that already when you literally took her to an abandoned place in the woods and was like, I don't know if you're going to make it, sister. <laughs> he doesn't make any sense sometimes. So there's this weird moment on page 316 when Bella asks if Alice saw her coming and Edward says something like that. And there's a little bit of weirdness on this a little bit later on. I think, too. I'm trying to find it in my notes. I don't... Oh, yeah. I think it's when they're already at the house, so we'll cover that then. But what did you think about this? Well, what I know about Alice is that she has this power, you know. So what I feel like, what that leads me to think is that maybe she saw something that, like, Bella comes over and something bad happens. You know, she saw Bella there. So Edward has to be like, yes, she did see you. But his reaction is negative, so she saw you in a negative way. Like, something bad has to happen. But she's also there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I like that theory. So then Edward is like, you should introduce me to your father. And Bella's like, (laughs) anyways, the Red Sox have been playing really well lately. (laughs) Um... And I, this is so 17-year-old of Edward. I actually loved it because I like when he acts his age and not like 900 years old when he's like, are you going to tell Charlie I'm your boyfriend or not, he demanded. And then this fucking uncomfortable ass fucking shit. So, <laughs> sorry for that string of profanities. But why does Bella say, I was under the impression that you were doing more actually. So what was your plan? What was your plan, Bella? Were you going to introduce Edward at what? As what? Your soulmate for life to your dad who you don't talk to about anything at all? What was your plan? I, it makes me think of, I really can't remember. You'll have to remind me. In Teen Wolf, does Scott's mom know that he's a werewolf? Not at first, but she finds out and she gets pissed. 
Okay. I'm just picturing her walking up to Charlie. He's eating his fried egg on a Thursday night. And she's like, this is Edward Cullen. He's like, I know Edward Cullen. She's like, I'm dating him. Also, just so you know, he is a vampire, but it's totally cool. Like, his family's super cool. Like, it's totally fine. Like, everything's fine. And then Charlie dies. (laughs) That's the thing, though. I don't even think that she means introduce him as a supernatural creature. When she says something more, I picture it as, like, my betrothed. Like, Like, something more to me means, like, she, I think she's saying, like, boyfriend is not an adequate enough description. To which I'm like, once again, you're 17. And also, like, it's your dad. Like, he doesn't need to know. <laughs> Even yeah. if you do feel like this guy's your soulmate, which is problematic in and of itself. But all that aside, even if you do feel that way, your dad does not need to have that information. No. I don't even think her mom needs to have that information. Oh, Tina's sneezing. I don't know if you could hear that. <laughs> I did hear. That's funny. I just, it makes no sense. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, when I read that, what I interpreted it as is something more meaning boyfriend and supernatural. But the way that you're saying it and how you interpreted it, I could see that more coming from a teenager. I could see that coming from the point of view that it's coming from, is that well, this is this is my one and only. So you're not just my boyfriend. You are everything to me. So I can actually, I feel like I see that more than what I originally thought. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say like, ah, you're wrong. But I just feel like Edward wouldn't be down to tell Charlie in the first place anyway. So I don't know why Bella would bring it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm pro changing my team from what I originally thought to what makes more sense. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. So... They don't really, like, come to a conclusion on this whole situation, um, but Edward's like, you know, he will need to know why I'm around so much, and Bella's like, you're going to be around? And he's like, as long as you want me, and she'll say, I'll always, she says, I'll always want you forever. And then he acts kind of weird about it, and then tells her to go get dressed. So, <laughs> let's talk about this khaki skirt. <laughs> Yes, let's fucking talk about this khaki skirt. I feel like Stacy London right now. I'm about to rip this girl. <laughs> this khaki skirt is like the ultimate Twilight meme of all Twilight memes. Like if you're in the fandom, you know about the khaki skirt. So congrats on your baptism into the fandom. I know nothing about, I mean, is it accurately portrayed in the film? No, she doesn't even wear a khaki skirt in the film. Okay. I that makes me feel better that this is solely canon that the memes are coming out of. I'm just gonna say it. I am picturing homeschool evangelical Christian skirt. Yes, like lo- she says long. Does yeah. that to your feet? Yeah, like a khaki skirt definitely can be super stylish, I feel like. Like I I Damn it. <laughs> I feel like I've seen you know, you can put a cute cardigan on with it. If your top is cute, like, I feel like you can work it if it's, if, if the skirt is appropriate with the rest. 
I am too short. Even if it isn't khaki, any kind of long skirt does not look good on me. So I'm already fairly anti-long skirt, like picturing it in my head, like the first thing that I think is negative. But then you have long skirt, which already I'm like, eh. And then you tack on khaki onto it. And I'm like, I feel like America's Got Talent, where all the judges just hit the red X, like, eh, eh, eh. I'm I'm anti this outfit. I'm also anti that Edward was so pro this outfit. I'm like, let I mean, I'm I'm pro making your significant other feel good. But if I looked bad, I wish that my significant other would say something, you know? Don't let me go out and embarrass myself. The fact is, I think he's into it. <laughs> The only good thing about this entire situation is that now there are so many khaki skirt memes I get to send you, and I'm so excited. Uh, as as two individuals who, I mean, I never wore the khaki skirt because I was so anti-anything feminine from ages, like, 10 until 16. Um, I never wore the khaki skirt at school, but... For for those listeners who don't know, Emily and I attended a religious school where we had a uniform and the khaki skirt was a thing we had to wear. So whenever I just see khaki skirt, I have a negative feeling towards it to begin with. And then tack on, hey, guess what? It's also long. <laughs> it's all bad. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Like, our, the fact that our school uniform ones were sexier than the one Bella wears because they were shorter, like, normal skirt length is hilarious. Also, I'm, they were skorts, so get it right, Paige. I'm also, I don't know why my brain is picturing it. I think because it's khaki. But I'm also picturing cargo short pockets on the outside. Yes. To store all her goods goods and uh, utensils. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so long story short, Bella gets down to the stair at the bottom of the stairs in this getup, and <laughs> Edward is horny AF and kisses her again, and she passes out. <laughs> Just a great situation all around. <laughs> I one whammy after another. I was like, all right, I'm already upset about the khaki skirt thing and then this shit happens I'm sorry what is this does this happen in real life it does not happen in real life it does not I'm Stephanie I'm sorry I'm I have to be the bearer of bad news this is not how relationships work regardless of how horny I was in middle school when I kissed my boyfriend I was in the moment I was not passing out no matter how good it was I this is not realistic this is I read it and I I scoffed yeah yeah it doesn't make any sense it's stupid to be honest (sighs) so after all that ado about nothing about a khaki skirt um our ado was justified theirs Edwards and Bella's was not just want to clarify Mm -mm. at that point they head out to Edwards house so as we're kind of reaching the description of it, what did what were you expecting? Did you have a picture in your mind? Were you just kind of waiting to see? I was picturing was a big home. He is a doctor. And like I said, they've had eons to accumulate wealth. 
and they are vampires. So I figured something very reclusive, um, very large because they could afford it, something that they could live in comfortably for years. I was, I was picturing something gothic, but maybe that was just me filling vampire lore into architecture. I don't know. But what I'm picturing in my head is something actually quite modern, I guess. I know there's pillars, but I I pictured it as like actually like a really nice house. Yeah. Yeah. The one that's described, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the full back wall being windows, that itself is like very modern, I feel like. The one that they used in the movie, I feel like I'm going to get this wrong, so I shouldn't even say it, but I'm pretty sure that it was like a Nike executive's house because, you know, like a rich Nike executive because they filmed in near Portland, which is where Nike headquarters are. Um, and it's not quite big enough and it's a little, the colors aren't right, I feel like in the movie, but the scale of it, or I mean like the, not the scale because it's not big enough, but like the... It was like the mood of it, the vibe is right, like just modern and and like the big windows. I feel like that's the most memorable thing to me that like that sticks out, and I think is cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so Belle just goes into this long description of the house we were just talking about with the pillars. Everything's white too, which I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to sound morbid, but, like, and I know they're obviously not eating in the house, but it's, like, it's weird because I think about, like, blood, and then I think about everything being white, and it's just weird. I don't know. It also sounds boring to me. Like, why not have just a little bit of fun? Yeah, I can't relate because I'm all about the neutrals. Like, I like grays and whites and blacks. Well, even so, you could do a combination of those. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of all of those, and I would say... 85% of my wardrobe is those, but I always have like a little splash of something here and there. Having yeah. everything just be monotone just isn't fun to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, pops of color are fun, for sure. To be completely fair, though, I would say maybe excluding Alice from everyone that we've met in the Collins and we've only gotten a little bit of Alice even to the end of Carlisle I would say none of them I would describe as fun I wouldn't (laughs) use the word fun to describe any of them so (laughs) maybe all white is fine that is tea and I want you to remember it And anyways, speaking of, so when they get there, um, Carlisle and Esme are waiting kind of in the front room. Um, He describes Esme. um, She had the same pale, beautiful features as the rest of them. Something about her heart-shaped face, her billows of soft caramel-colored hair reminded me of the ingenues of the silent movie era. She was small, slender, yet less angular, more rounded than the others. So that's kind of our introduction to Esme. Um, and the whole like meeting the parents thing seems to go well and then Alice and Jasper show up and Alice is like in Bella's face which is kind of cool I think even if you know it's kind of weird to do without like consent but Bella seems to be fine with it so yeah I I think that I would definitely be taken aback if my boyfriend's sister kissed me on the cheek which to be fair, is not an American custom. Like, even if someone I knew 
kiss me on the cheek, it would be a little jarring to me because it's just not something that we do in America. So if my boyfriend's sister did it, I would feel weird, but then I feel like a half of me would be glad because it's so inviting. And given the circumstances, they're extremely extenuating. And I can tell that Bella's obviously very anxious about this and she doesn't really know a lot about the siblings and her experience with Rosalie was so negative. So having that one very positive interaction with one of his relatives, I feel like would be very reassuring, although a little weird at first. Yes, 100% agree. But I think if it were me, I feel like good that Alice is kind of, it's clear she's being herself, you know, like she's not holding back. Um, So that would be comforting to me, I feel like. Yes. So speaking of Rosalie, her and Emmett are not present. Um, And we don't, this is not quite the part, but since I already brought it up, we'll just kind of skip ahead um, to when um, Edward said, or yeah, Bella asks about them and Edward says that she's jealous of Bella because she's hu- Bella is human and Rosalie wishes that she were too. Do you have any thoughts on that? I I do I did have a um this was a several episodes ago, but I do actually remember quite a bit about Rosalie's backstory from the movie. So I actually feel like I do understand what they're getting at there. I feel like I remember that she was like in love with someone and then he died and she was very heartbroken about that. And then she became a vampire and now she can no longer love. I feel like that's what happened. And so she's very bitter that she can't have this romantic relationship that she wanted. Um, So she's just very bitter about the fact that not only she can't have that but also she just can't have the normal life so when I read that that's what I interpreted as yeah that's interesting um you're not quite on the nose um damn it's it's interesting that you remember part of it but not the full thing um because that's not quite right and obviously you'll see um actually you don't get Rosalie's backstory until the third book but the end result is the same is that she like is yeah it's basically what you said like she regrets that she didn't she doesn't have the chance that Bella has to be human and have a human relationship Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah yeah that's all I guess I can say about it because I don't want to give too much away but um yeah and do you think it's like were you surprised that Emmett is with her? Like, because Edward says, like, Emmett doesn't have a problem with you. Um, he's just with Rosalie or whatever. I, I wasn't surprised. I could see wanting to support my wife, I guess, if if we're talking literally. Like, I, I don't, I guess they're married. So if if my significant other was extremely upset about something and I don't really have a stake either way, I would side with my significant other, I think. Be there to support them. Yeah, I agree. So anyways, I had skipped ahead a little bit, but Bella notices, well, Jasper shows up and we find out later that Edward was like, yeah, keep your distance, pal. <laughs> um, because he's the newest to being a quote unquote vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um. But 
did you get any vibes from Jasper? Any thoughts on Jasper? I still, I, I did like Jasper. Like I said, I liked everyone and, um, everyone who was introduced, I feel like I didn't have any negative feelings, but I feel like, I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to trust Alice and I don't want to trust Jasper yet because their backstories are so ambiguous that like, I did like both of them. I think I liked Alice more than I liked Jasper, but I, I feel like the ambiguity is there for a reason and I don't want to put, I don't want to get my heart broken. So I feel a little reserved about it. So I, I do feel positive about what I read. I didn't think anything negative. He's being cautious. He's keeping himself back. He's contributing a little bit to conversation. He's there at least, you know, he wants to meet her, but I still don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to jump all in yet. I don't even want to jump all in yet with Alice. I I dip my toe when I've liked it, but I'm not I'm not going fully in. That's very interesting. Hmm. I like your caution. Um, I've had I've had my heart broken one too many times. All I know is from watching all kinds of crazy stuff that who knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I gotta respect it. Respect the respect the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was kind of saying earlier, Bella notices the piano and is rattled that that's just another thing that he's great at. Um, so he starts playing and the others kind of sneak out. They're like, let's have, let's have kids have some time, which is hilarious to me. Um, and Bella or Edward's kind of playing, um, her lullaby that he had sang her the night before. It's kind of nice. He wrote a song for her. If anyone ever wrote a song for me, I would pass away. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Classical or with words. Don't care. It's all good. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's the point when they talk about Rosalie and Emmett. And then this is the part I was talking about earlier when Bella says, this is the bottom of page 327. Alice seems very enthusiastic. And he says, Alice has her own way of looking at things. He said through tight lips. And you're not going to explain that, are you? And he doesn't say anything, but she realizes that he's not. Um, so kind of the same theory as before, or what do you think about that? I mean, I still think she knows, and probably they all know, that something bad's going to happen. Because they go they go into it a little later, not to jump ahead. But there was some kind of look exchanged with Carlisle and um, Edward. And then Edward kind of gives a nod. And they talk about it later, that there's like these new this other group coming in and that they were going to, he was going to protect her. We'll get into that later, but I feel like on the same page, (laughs) we'll get get into it. But (laughs) I just, I feel like, I feel like it's all connected. I, I I still feel like what Alice said was negative, like something bad is going to happen. And maybe, maybe she's trying to get the positive out of the negative. Like, even if this negative thing is going to happen with these new, these newcomers and even if Bella comes and something bad happens, at least I get to meet her. At least Edward is happy for this little bit of time. Like Edward seems more, uh, seems more pessimistic. Edward is a bummer for like the first 300 pages of this book. So 
maybe he does see things differently than Alice because he's never happy. I don't know. But yeah, maybe Alice is just trying to get, you know, a little bit of a good time out of what probably is going to be negative. I mean, there aren't, I don't know, three other books we're going to get into. So some shit's about to go fucking down is all I'm, all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all of that. And I think like, he's just hinting at the fact that they have different worldviews, even if there is a specific incident that you are theorizing about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as Paige just said, um, this is when they talk about how there's going to be visitors that aren't like them, which means they consume humans. Um, so Edward's going to be overprotective, and Bella is like, what? <laughs> Understandably. Um, so then um, he kind of stops playing the song. And, okay, I really don't want to talk about it, but we have to talk about it. So on page 329... Are we going to talk about the middle of 329? Mm-hmm. Can you just... Let me just... Okay, what? Okay, this is all capital letters. In my notes, in my notes. Yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Why does he eat her tear? I, um, I have my own notes. My handwriting is bad, so if you just want to, um, it's like, I didn't take any notes for a chapter on Carlisle, so don't judge that. But it's uh, the very bottom I physically, I can't read that word. It's frowned. I I physically frowned when he tasted her tear. (laughs) That's it? I physically screamed when he tasted her tear, and I've read this before. It's so bizarre. Like, I mean, I know why. Do you? I don't. I I just feel like it's like him, like, being like, I can take this a little bit. I can just have this little bit of her to have inside of me. I don't like it. I don't like what I understand. That's for certain. Also, even if you're not supernatural, if I went on just like a first date with someone and they did that, I would change my phone number. Yep. Yep. And I shouldn't say I don't know or I don't understand because I literally do. I've read Midnight Sun, but I'm just not okay with it. So I refuse to accept it. (laughs) I'm picturing like, so Edward can... Edward has such a refined sense of smell and taste and human taste is so good. I'm picturing that like maybe like blood is obviously the best for him, but I'm picturing maybe tears are like, I don't know, like a banana or something like, like it's not as good, but you know, it's okay. Oh my God. That concept is horrifying. (laughs) I hate everything about it. Yeah, it's all bad. Like I said, I physically frowned. (laughs) And the fact that Bella says nothing about it is also horrifying. I, that's that's her thing, is that she does not have the appropriate reaction for anything. Like, even from the very beginning, I think, I think I started saying this in the chapter where he protects her from the car. Like, she does not seem to, like, have the appropriate response. She's worried about the wrong things. She, I, I, I want to be on her side, but she's making it so hard for me to be on her side. I know, I know. God. So moving on from that, he decides to give her a tour of the rest of the house. 
and they come across an ancient wooden cross in the hallway and Bella asks how old it is and Edward's or like where did they get it is basically what she asks um, because Edward says that it's from the early 1630s and Edward says it belonged to Carlisle's father he carved it himself it hung on the wall above the pulpit in the vicarage where he preached so that's when Bella is like, how old is Carlisle? And Edward says he just celebrated his 362nd birthday. Um, so this is kind of where we go into the backstory of Carlisle. So Reader's Digest version, his dad was like a religious fanatic who was trying to like rid the world of what he considered to be evil. So witches, werewolves, and vampires, um, and Roman Catholics, lol. <laughs> um, and... Then when he gets old and retires, he places Carlisle in charge of doing this. Um, and Carlisle discovers real vampires living in the sewers in London. Um, so they go on like a hunt. And um, one climbs out of the sewer and attacks the mob that's hunting him. Hunting him. And he bites Carlisle. And Carlisle knows that like if anyone finds him, his he will be killed, like his body will be destroyed. So he hides in a cellar um, and keeps quiet for three days and transforms into a vampire. Um, and then at that point, this is pretty much the end of the chapter, because um, Bella ha obviously has more questions about it. So Edward's like, come on, I'll show you. So what do you think about Carlyle's age, Carlyle's backstory, everything about Carlyle? I guess we're not to totally through it yet, so. I I liked it. I like that he came, like his background sort of paved the way for the way that he acts as a vampire. Even though he is a vampire, he doesn't want to adhere to that monstrous side of him. He wants to be civilized. He was ashamed, so he, I mean, not that he was ashamed, he didn't want to die, so he hid himself, but I mean, in the later chapters, we find that he did keep himself away. I, I thought that it was appropriate, I mean, he's old, he's had hundreds of years to learn, to grow, and he, I don't really have a negative opinion at, at this point, like, I honestly, I feel bad, I, I really empathize with him. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It's kind of a sad story. Also, I want to point out the fact that he's like his physical age is 23. Like I know he's almost 400 or whatever, but the fact that a tw someone younger than Paige and I yeah. is like in charge of quote unquote six or five kids, quote unquote, but still. Also someone who's 23 is a doctor. I mean, I don't know anything about medical school, but okay, I'm 24. I, the people at the liquor store still wave my ID around and slap it against their palm and like ask me to take my glasses off. To be fair, I'm five foot zero, so it's a little warranted, but I'm 24, like I said. I'm picturing I have a couple coworkers who are a couple years younger than me or 23. If if I was in a doctor's office waiting for my doctor to come in and one of those motherfuckers come in, I'd be like, I'm sorry, 
is this take your son to work day? Is this take your daughter to work day? I, I don't trust you with my health. Yeah, I totally get that. I think it's like, it can be attributed to like how beautiful he is, which probably makes him look a little bit older, I would guess, you know? His allure. Yeah. His sex appeal. I mean, if you want to call it like it is, like it's been made very clear that he's like extremely sexy, so. Not to, not to like, pardon my pun, drive a stake into this, but... (laughs) I, if I'm remembering the person from the movie correctly, I don't think that Carlisle was that hot as the actor who played him anyways. I think he was really hot in the first movie. They like kind of, they did weird stuff with his hair later on that I was like, why are we doing this? But I can understand why he wouldn't do it for everybody. I feel like maybe I need to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to Google image it because I don't want any spoilers, but if yeah. later you want to send me some Google pics. Okay, okay, I will. And don't worry, we'll be watching the film. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Uh, Twilight is on Hulu right now. I did see that, so. I know, I know. I'm excited. And it's on Amazon Prime, but I know you hate Jeff Bezos. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Also, you have it on DVD, so, you know. Yep. Yep. Once the pandemic is over in 2024, I mean, we can hang out. <laughs> For real, for real. So chapter 16, Carlisle. Edward leads Bella into Carlisle's office and he's there reading. Um, and it's just like full of books and paintings. And Edward kind of asks Carlisle to like tell the story, but he's like, I can't, I gotta go to work, Abby. So then he leaves. Um, and I just want to say, it's kind of this is what my note said. It's kind of a flex to have a timeline of your immortal life in paintings. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's some elected official shit. I was going to say rich guy shit, but I agree with the elected official thing too. They're not mutually exclusive. True. Actually, in fact, they are almost always hand in hand. Mutually inclusive. Yes. So, um, Bella asks what happened next when Carla realizes that he's a vampire and Edward keeps telling the story. So Carla rebelled against it. He basically tried to kill himself in in various ways, but found that it was impossible. Edward says that um, there are very few ways we can be killed. Um, So Carla like keeps getting farther away from the human population because he's scared he's going to do something like kill one of them essentially. Um, and one night a herd of deer passes him and he's so like weak that he lunges and kills one and drinks its blood. And then he realizes that he can actually live on this and it's actually not that different. Um, I know there's a lot of like animal rights advocates who would disagree with that, but, um, he decides that this is how he's going to conduct his life from now on. Can I ask two questions? Sure. One, I can't remember if it's clarified, but does this mean that Carlisle has basically never killed a human? I don't know if they ever come out and say it um, until later, so I feel fine answering it. That That is correct. He has never killed a human. Okay. Um, I think that speaks a lot to his origin stories and also his character. Yep. But two... You don't have to spoil anything. You don't have to clarify. You can just say yes or no or choose not to answer. 
but it seems like there was a lot of emphasis on and vagueness, vaguity. I don't know. <laughs> um, about that there's only a few ways to kill a vampire. Are there any vampire deaths in the entire series? Yes, there are. And you will get an answer on methods to achieve this within this book itself. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Yep. Stay tuned, sister. (laughs) Sweaty. (laughs) Okay, so at that point, Carlisle goes to France... Um, this is the part where Bella finds out that vampires don't have to breathe. I don't, she kind of freaks out. I'm kind of like, well, keep it moving. <laughs> I just, I, it doesn't seem that important, but also I just don't understand the concept. I'm in an anatomy class right now, and the respiratory and cardiovascular system is so important. I'm just like, I cannot wrap my head around the anatomy of all of this. Supernatural anatomy is out of my league. Yeah, I once saw someone on Tumblr, I wish I could remember now exactly who, like, what they were saying and obviously who it was so I could attribute it, but someone was, like, was, like, picking a bone with this because of stuff you find out about anatomy later on, and I, yeah, I don't, I just, my brain rebels against even considering it because I'm like, I don't want to do that today. To be fair, there's a lot of fucking outrageous shit that's going on. We literally just read that Bella fainted when Edward kissed her. So, sure, vampires don't breathe. I guess I'll believe it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. If they don't have blood, then they wouldn't need oxygen, right? Sure. Three boys asked her to a dance in one day. Sure, vampires can't breathe. True, true. Take it all in stride. Sure, his family loves her despite the long khaki skirt. Sure. <laughs> Vampires can't breathe. <laughs> Accurate. Um, so this is one of the stupid parts. It happens again later when Edward's like, I know that at some point something I tell you or something you see is going to be too much and and then you'll run away from me screaming as you go. It's like, grow up. <laughs> Move on. I know- 108. But if you could grow up just a little. It would be very appreciated. Mm-hmm. So he keeps going with the story. Um, so Carlyle basically just like studies a bunch of stuff in Europe. Um, music, science, medicine, and he finds his calling in being a doctor. So over two centuries, he went through a bunch of effort to like, basically become immune to the scent of human blood, which is really impressive. I I was going to say, out of everything that I read in both of these chapters, this is the thing that really wowed me. Like, knowing that, not only now knowing that he never killed someone, so this was probably, like, his first exposure to human blood and that he was able to overcome that, not only just overcome it in the moment, but to overcome it again and again and again and again, so much that he could build a career out of it and put the work and time in to get the knowledge to become a doctor, that is extremely impressive. It is. It is. But then he discovers another clan, I guess is the word, or coven um, in Italy 
and he lives with them for a while. Um, their names are Arrow, Marcus, and Caius. Um, sorry, there's a loud motorcycle. Um, Edward says that they're still there. They've been there for many millennia. So Carlisle had just stayed with them for a few decades, but he ended up leaving because he was always trying to convince them to go vegetarian, and they were always trying to convince him to stop being vegetarian. So at that point, Carlisle decides to move to the United States. So um, he's getting lonelier and lonelier, and then the influenza epidemic hits, and we know now that this is 1918. Um, and that's when he finds Edward and decides to act. So, because Edward was left in a ward with the dying and knew that Carlo knew that he was an orphan, which we already knew that. Um, so Edward says, so we've come full circle. I don't know how I really feel about this. I mean, he was clearly very upset about being a vampire for a long time and coming to terms with it. And I understand that he's lonely and I cannot wrap my head around the emotional strain that that has to put on you but it just seems extremely selfish to me that you would then put that onto someone else like I like I said I have no basis of understanding his own point of view and physically cannot put myself there but just looking at it objectively it's hard for me to be okay with it yeah, that's kind of where I have a little bit of an issue with Carlisle. I mean, it's this and it's other stuff that will come to light later. But I, it's funny that you bring that up. Not funny, but strange that you bring it up. Because my next note was, would you be mad at Carlisle if you were Edward? I would be. I think I would. I've, I, um, being in a field that deals with death a lot, I've, learned a lot about death and one thing that is collectively expressed is that the dead don't care what you do the dead don't care about anything the dead are just dead so taking that normal part of life away from someone for your own gain like I can see where he thought that it would be compassionate but not that I'm looking forward to dying but I'm looking forward to living my life I'm looking forward to doing what I'm here to do and being alive for the time that I'm about to be alive I'm kind of sick of a lot of things so when I die you know I feel like I'll probably be okay with it if I then was like I get woken up and it's like hey just kidding bitch you here for the rest of it I would be really bummed out I feel like I I feel like I would want to have a closure to my life. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. I mean, not to go all took everlasting in this bitch, but but like how many pieces of media have we seen that is like that have tried to prove the lesson of like living forever is not all it's cracked up to be is actually a curse rather than a blessing, right? So like I imagine the horrors that you would have seen if you were alive in the 1600s. Imagine the all of the horrible carnage and suffering that you'd have to see. Like, I've already seen so much terribleness now. To live hundreds of years seeing so much, that would just be a lot to have to bear. 
Yes, I agree. I'm actually going to write something down for, like, my running list of stuff I want to talk about when you know more. Can I put a little, can I put a little blurb out there? I did actually kind of want to interject this into the last chapter, but I forgot to, and I should have said it earlier. Okay. I kind of love that Edward is, loves music. Like, I just love a little, like, personality trait about him. We get more into it in this chapter, but I just love that he has this thing, because before you don't really know a lot about him as a person aside from that he was gonna die from Spanish influenza and that he is obsessed with Bella like you don't really you don't really and he's grumpy all the time (laughs) you don't you don't have any really personality things about him or things that he likes or dislikes or his favorite food or like any of those things that make a person a person so just having this little thing that characterizes him is just I it just feels nice to have like a thing that makes him feel more human yeah yep I agree it's nice to like yeah to have any depth to his character at all other than like his relationship to Bella yeah I think that's important to like make the the audience care about him at all yeah because before he really was I mean I don't want to say one dimensional I mean maybe like one and a half dimensional but just having just like a little thing in there that's like, oh yeah, he was he did like something. He does he does have a thing that he likes, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've said this before many a time, and I'll say it again. I I do have a soft spot in my heart for musicians. That's always been my type. Um, I think it has something to do with my deep rooted love of wanting to date a Jonas brother. <laughs> So just, like, I can fully put myself in Bella's shoes sitting on the piano bench with him. Not only just hearing him compose this amazing piece that is just so beautiful to hear, but then also know that it's about you. That is a dream come true, basically. Yes. Agreed. I mean, I already said, like, I would pass away if someone did that for me. So yeah, I fully agree. Um... To go back to what we were talking about before, I mean, we don't need to, like, labor the point too much, but, yeah, I just, I mean, Carlo obviously is a good person in some sense in that he has gone to great lengths to save a lot of human life. I mean, we have to assume that he probably has above-average skill as a doctor because of his heightened senses. He can probably diagnose things easier, you know, perform surgery with more accuracy, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, he... I don't know if you can consider it taking a life because by the strictest definition of the word, he saved multiple lives by turning people into vampires, but it was without their consent and it was transforming them into something that they didn't ask and didn't want to be. Yeah. I don't know if I would define that as saving a life for me personally. I think a life for me is beginning to end and this is beginning to new beginning to pretty much no end like maybe an end if something bad happens but I I don't like for example Rosalie I don't really know a lot about her but she's just she's bitter that she can't live a human life it seems like she doesn't really want to be a vampire I I don't know if she would argue that he saved her life I I can't speak for her yet I don't have all the information but 
to me, it doesn't seem like he saved their lives. Like, sure, in the most literal sense of it, they didn't die. But are are they alive? Are they really living? Are they? I I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like that's the case for me. Yeah, I fully agree. And yeah, that's kind of what I meant too. I mean, yeah, not that you're like saying I was wrong or whatever, but yeah, I just, I, I guess my point was like, I don't think you can say he took a life because mm-hmm. it was one that was ending anyways in any case. But yeah, I agree that you can't really say he saved it either. Just the whole non-consensual thing to me is what is really problematic about it. Like if he had asked them beforehand, it would be different, but he, to the best of our knowledge, he didn't. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Yep. So, at this point, Bella asks if Edward has always stayed with Carlisle, and he reveals that he has not, and he wandered off on his own for a while and hunted humans. And I'm sorry, like, we'll talk about what kind of work he was doing in a minute, but before Bella knows what type of humans he was hunting... She was like, it doesn't repulse me. It sounds reasonable. She just, she had no knowledge. He could have been killing anybody. He could have been killing children. He could have been killing old, older women or men. Or like, you know, senior citizens. Like, I'm like, girl, do you not have any standards at all? At all. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to put myself in Bella's shoes or just in anyone's shoes but here's the thing. I listen, I indulge in a lot of true crime media. And one thing that I never understand is when a spouse of someone who has been proven, like DNA, like you did it kind of facts, they stand by them. Oh, so-and-so would never do this. Oh, that's not the person that I married. Yeah, sis, it is. Like, it's, it is, that was him, that's what he did. I just, I never get that. Like, that's, it's a person who is suffering, I mean, this is not the case with Edward, because there's other circumstances, but I just, I, I just can't understand being, having someone's back completely like that, even after murder. I, it's just, it's dumbfounding to me. Same. It's, it's, it makes her complicit even if she wasn't even alive for it. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly fair. I mean, if, do you think that, I mean, I don't know anything that happens in the future, but let's just say hypothetically, Edward were to kill someone right now in the story. Do you think Bella would be okay with it? I don't know. That's a great question. I I think she would like, it would depend on the circumstances for her. And the fact that it, there's even a question of it, I feel like implicates her as well. I don't think it's fair to say that she's complicit in stuff that happened before Edward knew her, because obviously she could have done nothing. But like, just I just think that the fact that she's excusing the behavior is really problematic. I think it's especially problematic because that Edward knew that there was an alternative. He knew that he didn't have to, and he still chose to do it. Right. And so I guess then we should talk about, you know, who it was that he was hunting and if that changes our opinions at all. 
I guess what I was trying to get at with our discussion up to this point is that Bella didn't know. And so that is really problematic to me that she was just like, oh, whatever, you know, you got to do what you got to do is essentially how I took her response to be. Do I think it's okay that Edward did what he did in light of the fact that he was hunting, you know, rapists, murderers? He uses the word murderer. Um, I'm kind of interjecting the word rapist, but I'm assuming because that's kind of what Bella is picturing. I don't want to like totally flip flop, but I'm tempted to say yes. But also I don't, this is such a moral quandary because it's like, does murder justify is, is murder justified by preventing other murder? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I think that this can go either way. This is obviously something that is contentious. It's has a very, political uh skew to it I would say um for me personally I think that yeah sure if it was someone who had for sure yeah I killed someone I'm a murderer if you then go take vigilante justice sure like I mean I guess you can justify that but it's hard for me to see like you just see a person lurking in a dark alley. How do you know what their motives are? How how can you take their fate into your hands without you even knowing what's about to happen? I guess. Like I I kind I mean, this is just me, but I can kind of see like an eye for an eye kind of a thing. Like mm-hmm. you reap what you sow. If you're gonna be murdering people, how what do you deserve? Like yeah. You know, I I can't really find compassion for those people. It's it, it's so sinister and selfish and like the worst thing you could do. So if someone like that dies, I don't really feel that bad, and that's just me. But like the way that I read this chapter is like, oh, I just saw these people in this alley looking suspicious. And I'm like, how do you know that they're suspicious, though? Like, how can you make that judgment? Two things. First of all, Edward can read minds. So there is that whole element to it. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Okay, okay. So I feel like he would have a pretty good sense of what their motives and plans were, you know? Everything. Yeah. Second thing is, I agree with you. Like, I don't feel bad for murderers who get killed. I, you know, they deserve it. I agree with Ifer, and I think my concern with it is more on the person murdering the murderer. Like, I worry about impact to them, not necessarily Edward, because um, I, well, I mean, he's included in that, but like, just in general, like, I feel like no matter how justified, taking a life changes you forever kind of creates like a darkness in you. Even if you feel that you are 100% justified, you're never going to be able to forget it. It'll always be on your conscience. You know what I mean? I think that's an excellent point. And I I mean, I don't really, at this point, I don't really understand um, all there is to know about vampirism. But for pretty much everyone, they... I mean, well, I guess, yeah, everyone, except Alice, we don't really know anything about her before, but everyone was a person, was a regular old human before they were changed. So it's like, I'm picturing myself right now being turned into a vampire. 
would I be able to kill someone? I don't, I like, I, I can't even wrap my head around even thinking about doing it right now. So it's like how, how it's, it's crazy to think that you can get pushed to that level of hunger, that level of need. Are you okay with it? I don't know. I don't know if I would ever be okay with it. I, it's just so hard for me to put myself as a human right now thinking, oh, if I became a supernatural being, like, would I be able to justify murder in my head, even if it was a murderer? I'm still like, I would never be able to murder someone right now. Like, all of these people were humans before. Did they have the same, like, inclination? Do they have the same set of morals before going into vampirism? It's just, it's a lot of being tugged all kind of different ways. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I really can't say either way. I mean, it's, there's so much, like, debate over the death penalty for this reason. And that's, like, such, I don't know what the word is, like, removed violence, especially nowadays with, like, the lethal injection that can just be performed, like, you know, in a heartbeat. So that the impact, quote unquote, is different on the person committing that. But I mean, what I mean to say, all that is to say is like, it's such a contentious issue for a reason, because at the end of the day, taking a life, any life is such a, it's such a like serious act. I mean, it's the most serious you can get. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a lot to uh, delve into as a 17 year old. Yeah. Or a 104-year-old that's also 17 at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, he got changed when he was 17. He had those hungers when he was freshly 17, you know? Like, I imagine a freshly new vampire is probably struggling with, this is what I need right now, physically what I need, but this is what my mind is telling me is right. This is what my mind is telling me is wrong. How do I how do I deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. And he says, you know, this is his exact quote, but as time went on, I began to see the monster in my eyes. I couldn't escape the debt of so much human life taken, no matter how justified. So that's the conclusion he comes to. Mm -hmm. So at that point they have reached Edward's room. And as Paige was mentioning earlier, there's all this, these music in there. Oh my God. I can't speak English. There's all this music in there, all these CDs, um, and, like, the room is clearly built for good acoustics. I wrote, imagine recording the pod in there. Really incredible. Oh, echoes, but no echoes. Like, our voice sounds like echoes, but on on the audio, it's just crisp. Yep, crisp as a Sprite from McDonald's. Oh, so crisp. <laughs> So um, they're kind of just hanging out in his room a little bit. And Bella has the audacity to say that she's not scared of him, which she acknowledges to the reader that is is a lie. Um, so then my note for this is, ah, uh, yes, sexy wrestling. <laughs> because I, maybe this is just a me thing, but I, to me, it's like, who among us hasn't done this with their crush? You know, like someone you were hooking up with. Have you done, I've done this. <laughs> I've definitely done this. I just don't like reading 
every action described word for word. It's like, we know what you're getting at. You could have just said, he wrestled me onto the couch. You don't need to be so explicit about it. Yeah, and there's the whole supernatural element too, which is funny and weird and awkward. And speaking of awkward, while they're like literally, you know, sexy wrestling, Alice and Jasper literally walk in and... Bella's, like, trying not to be embarrassed, but she's embarrassed. And Alice says, it sounded like you were having Bella for lunch, and we came to see if you would share. Like, are they going to have a threesome right now? Like, what is going on? She's just hungry. I don't think that's it. I don't... <laughs> Uncomfy. Uh, so, at that point, um, Jasper says that there's going to be a storm tonight, and Emmett wants to play baseball. So, the... Famed baseball scene that you are so excited about is approaching. So excited. <laughs> so um, Bella agrees to go. So then um, Edward's like, yep, we're in. And Alice and Jasper go um, to see if Carlisle will come. I'm assuming they're going to like call him on the phone or whatever since he's at work. And Bella's like, vampires like baseball. And... <laughs> Edward says, it's the American pastime, he said with mock solemnity. Going back a little bit, the fact, so at the top of that page, um, Edward says, do you want to go? And Bella says, sure. Um, Where are we going? The fact that she said sure, but like didn't know what was happening is so funny to me. But anyways, that's the end of the chapter. Do we have any notes that you didn't cover? I just, I did just want to add just a little, little blurb in there. So my very last semester of college I took a, a honors seminar and the theme was baseball and the teacher it was it was literally just like the history of baseball and like all kinds of baseball things and um we each had to do a speech an extemporaneous speech about anything that we wanted to but the theme had to be baseball <laughs> I did my theme was that it's harder to play softball than it is to play baseball. But now I'm like, I fucking could have done baseball is v- popular vampire pastime. And I feel like I really dropped the ball. <gasps> dropped the ball. <laughs> I feel like I really missed an opportunity there. Yeah, I was just going to say what a missed opportunity. Sad. If time travel ever gets invented, you can go back and do it. Thank you. I actually did really well on that speech, and I'm still really happy about it. My very last line to the speech was, you got to have big balls to ball hard, and I'm still very proud of it to this day. Did people laugh? I hope they did. They did. And we also, one thing that we had to do was submit a full sentence outline. So pretty much everything we were going to say in the speech, we had to submit to the professor. And I wrote it, and she said nothing. I when I delivered it, everyone just like kind of laughed, but then looked at the professor and she was like, "I have it written here. I knew she was gonna say it." Like <laughs> she's just like, "I knew it. I'm. I don't care. It's fine." So it it went well, but all I'm saying is missed opportunity. I love that. That's iconic of that professor. <laughs> she was cool, but also questionable. Uh, yeah, I know the type. <laughs> Um, okay, so for next week, we are once again doing two chapters, uh, chapter 17 and 18, and these are called The Game and The Hunt. Do you got any predictions? Okay, well, The Game is obviously the baseball game, for sure. The Hunt, maybe Bella sees 
them hunting in real life. I don't know. Like, something, it feels ominous. Like, I feel like there's too much good going on right now that I feel like something bad has to happen. And the hunt kind of does have, like, an ominous, ominous, ominous. an ominous ring to it so maybe the hunt is not as good as I'd like it to be but my first impression is maybe she like gets a full glimpse of like vampires eating you know yeah I like that um we're speeding through man we got let me look at the table of contents I checked the table of contents earlier because I was curious I was like oh there's only a little chunk left and I think there's like four or five more chapters no there's eight total (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I got a liberal liberal arts degree. I don't know how to do math. Well, you might have been thinking like four chunks because we've been doing like for the most part we've been doing two chapters, so we'll be okay. done with it in a number of weeks. Okay, okay. Pretty crazy. So yeah. So speaking of which, we could always use your follows on social media. That really helps us get out to new listeners. Um, so we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. Another thing that's really helpful is if you guys follow or subscribe or whatever the word is, depending on which app you're using, on the podcast app that you listen to. So um, Spotify, I think it's follow and um, Apple Podcasts is subscribe. But if you do that, that's helpful for us. It's even more helpful if you write a review. If you're an Apple Podcast person, Spotify doesn't do reviews, but um, that's really helpful for us to show up in searches or, you know, to pop up in people's feeds when they're looking for something to listen to. And more listeners is always good. We always want to interact with more and more of you. So Speaking of which, feel free to always reach out to us with anything, and we'd love to hear from you about breakfast or anything else. Seriously, I would love, I I am, I would say, the biggest fan of breakfast. I, I would eat breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I love it. My When I was a freshman in college, every Thursday, our dining hall would have breakfast for dinner, and everyone complained about it, and I was like, oh, yeah. I hate it so much. (laughs) Shoot. But I really loved it. So please tell me about your breakfast. I'd love to hear. (laughs) Yes. Please make our day. It would would make us so happy to hear about it. Um, And yeah, you can always email us if you're not on social media or if you just want to email us because that's a thing. Um, We're at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. Um, and we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. If you're thinking of giving us a little holiday present of like $5 or something, <laughs> you know, you know if how it goes. If you give us a holiday present of $5, I just want you to know that it would go to a good cause, and that good cause is Hot Cheetos. It would not go to Hot Cheetos. Do not listen to Paige. We, coming up, I have to buy Midnight Sun for Paige soon. So, you know, it could go to that. It could go to our podcast hosting fees, you know, whatever, whatever. I guess, I guess that's fair. (laughs) Indirectly down the supply chain, it would eventually help with the Hot Cheetos. You know what I'm saying? The, the amount that is taken out to pay for the important stuff is also taken out for the Hot Cheetos eventually. Exactly. It's all about their ripple effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On that note, did you have anything else you wanted to add, Paige? Um, you know, everyone, you're killing it. You know, 
November, we're we're winding down to 2020. 2021's coming up hot. We're gonna rock it as much as we can. So let's rock it. I think that was motivational. I mean, the fact that we've made it through, and I know that there has been so much loss and so much hardship this year on a number of levels, economic, health, you know, people have lost people close to them. Um, And that's not lost on Paige or I, you know, but we try to keep this as lighthearted as we can, even when we're dragging Edward or getting into the deep talks about like if murder is ever justified, (laughs) but you know, like we're just, we're just proud of you for having gotten this far. We're proud of ourselves for having gotten this far and all we can do is just take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with finding humor in things like yep. that thing that gets me through the hard times is making a joke, you know, finding something lighthearted to to keep me going. Yep, definitely. And we hope that we can be that for you, you know, an hour and change a week or whatever it ends up being. So We really appreciate everyone who listens to this show and we feel so lucky to even have listeners at all. So thank you so much. And yeah, I guess that's it. We'll see you guys next week for chapter 17 and 18. Bye guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram.